For the first Sunday of Lent, we read from the Apostle St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brethren, we entreat you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, In an acceptable time I have heard thee, and in the day of salvation I have helped thee. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense to anyone, that our ministry may not be blamed. On the contrary, let us conduct ourselves in all circumstances as God's ministers, in much patience, in tribulations, in hardships, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleepless nights, in fastings, in innocence, in knowledge, in long sufferings, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in unaffected love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, with the armor of, ju armor of justice on the right hand and on the left, in honor and dishonor, in evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet truthful, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastised but not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet enriching many, as having nothing yet possessing all things. Please stand for the Holy Gospel. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. At that time, Jesus was led into the desert by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the, came, the tempter came and said to him, If thou art the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. But he answered and said, it is written, not by bread alone does man live, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If thou art the Son of God, throw thyself down, for it is written, He has given his angels charge concerning thee, and upon their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written further, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said to him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Begone, Satan, for it is written, The Lord thy God shall thy worship, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Our Lady, seat of wisdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Please be seated. My dear friends, today I would like to speak to you about the Passion of our Lord. There are five Sundays in Lent, and that gives us the, the time to do five installments, you know, five sermons on the Passion of our Lord, thinking of the five sorrowful mysteries in particular. But before we go into that, I would like to speak to you about Lent and what is a good way for us to live our Lent. 
Lent is a very fruitful, a very prosperous season, spiritually, spiritually speaking. St. Paul tells us, now is the acceptable time, behold, now is the day of salvation. It can happen that we think of Lent as something difficult, something weary, something that we want to avoid almost, if we could, because of all the fasting and the penances. But actually, Lent is something that gives us a great spiritual benefit. Lent is the time to get rid of those sins that we cannot get rid of. Lent is the time to correct our defects that we have carried for years and years. Lent is the time to acquire that virtue, that practice that I have always cowered from. Someone was asking me this last week and I thought it was an interesting question, or they brought up to me that it seemed a little bit uh, out of proportion that the church commands on their mortal sin to do penance, you know, that, the, that we are commanded on their mortal sin to abstain from meat or to fast. It seems, again, out of proportion. The answer to that is actually very simple and it's interesting. The church commands us those things under pain of mortal sin because they are for our own preservation. Our Lord said in the gospel, unless you do penance, all of you will perish. He didn't say you won't be holy or you won't rise on the clouds praying. He said, if you don't do penance, you will perish. You will die. And that's why the church under pain of mortal sin for our own preservation tells us you have to do this little penance. This little time of the year, focus on doing that. Do some penance. But I was saying then that Lent is actually something that we should be happy about and we should take advantage of it. Let me give you an analogy. Imagine that you were a farmer and that you knew somehow by a miracle that this next season you're going to have very good rains, very steady and very good rains throughout the next months. What would you do? Well, you would immediately start renting lands and trying to get more crops and buying more seeds and trying to get as much advantage from that as possible because you know it's going to be good for you. Imagine, for example, that you were an IRS agent or a businessman and you know that this year there is a loophole in the IRS laws and you can get a lot of money back from the government. What would you do? Well, you would immediately try to do all the moves necessary to try to get as much money back. My friends, that's what Lent is spiritually. God is telling you these 40 days, the bank is open. You can receive as many graces as you want. You can receive many benefits spiritually. You just have to come and know how to take profit from them. Now, today, before we talk about the passion, I do want to tell you three things that we should do to make our lens as best as possible. The first one is the obvious, to do penance for our sins. The second one is to meditate on the passion of our Lord. And the third one, and this is a new one perhaps you've never heard of, make a resolution that you can keep after Lent, that you can actually live with your, your life with it. Let me go over these three very briefly. The first one that I said was to do penance for our sins. And I want to explain this because I think we have 
a very limited idea of what penance really means. When you talk to people, they will always say, what are you giving up for Lent? Well, I'm, I'm giving up talking to my friends, or I'm giving up coffee, or I'm giving up you know, smoking, whatever it might be. Giving up talking to my in-laws. I'm not sure about that one. Those things are good, but the thing is, that's not the only point of penance. When we say penance, what we mean is to repent from our past life. That's what penance means. And so when you begin Lent, it's a good idea to look over your past life, look at all your previous sins in general, and try to acquire the knowledge of the malice of your sins. Try to understand how evil it is what you have done, and to be as sorry for that as possible. Do a good confession, and because of that, it is that you do penance. The giving up of things is because you are sorry for your past life. And that penance means also conversion. The word penance means conversion. It means I'm sorry for what I've done so far. And from now on, I want to change. From now on, I seek to convert. And all of us, no matter how good you are, have room for some sort of conversion. That is true penance. And that is the kind of penance we should do. The other thing that I mentioned was to think of the passion of our Lord, and this makes sense if you want to know how bad our sins, if we want to know how bad our sins are, we need to look at the cross, we need to look at what they cost on our Lord, because every single suffering in the passion of our Lord was caused by our sins. But besides that, there is a very important aspect in thinking of the passion of our Lord. It is through him that we can change. It is from him that we receive strength to be better. Through the blood of our Lord, our sins are washed. In the tree of the cross, we're gonna find that fruit of a good life. And so in your process of penance, of repentance, if you want to be better, the place where you're gonna find the strength to be better is right there in the sufferings of our Lord. And that's why we meditate on him. He is our strength. Let me go to the last point. The last point that I mentioned was to try to make a resolution that you're going to keep after Lent. Most of us make a resolution and we say, well, I'll give, away, I'll give up coffee during Lent. Easter comes and I'm drinking a whole jar of coffee. You know, you just double down on what you just gave up. What I'm telling you now is Try to think of a resolution that you're going to keep during Easter and the rest of your life. Something that you need to do. For example, right now during Lent, I'm going to make the resolution to pray the rosary every day at this time. Why? Because after Lent, I'm going to keep it. Or during Lent, I'm going to give up this bad friend or this social media or this whatever it might be that it's always been a problem to me. I'm going to give it up to keep it after Lent. The reason for that is that Lent gives you a spiritual thrust, a spiritual, spiritual push that you can use to change your life. I don't know what you think about space travel, but you know what they say about space travel is that the rocket goes around a planet and it takes impulse, it takes strength from the gravity of the planet and then after that it has more speed. Regardless of what you think of that, that is what Lent is for us. 
during Lent you have this spiritual impulse that you can use so that after Lent you can keep going and have that resolution, have that spiritual gain. So these are, my friends, the three things that we have to do to have a good Lent. Before we end the sermon, or rather halfway through the sermon, I do want to speak to you today about the passion of our Lord and particularly about the agony in the garden. When we think of the passion, it is important first of all to understand that our Lord was not a helpless victim in his passion. We often think of him as someone that couldn't help what happened and that he suffered injustice from other people. But we need to remember our Lord was God. He knew perfectly well when he was going to be crucified. He knew perfectly well when he was going to be betrayed and he went for it. At a certain time in our Lord's life, when he knew that his time was come, he went to Jerusalem to be crucified. Now, my friends, there are three things that our Lord did while he was with us. One was, he was our teacher. He came to teach us. The second one is, he came to institute the church and the sacraments. And the third one is, he came to sacrifice himself for us. The passion of our Lord was the climax, the top of all those three missions. And he himself began his passion, because his passion began at the time of the first Mass, at the time, at the time of the Last Supper. Today I don't want to talk to you much about the Last Supper, because we will cover that on Monday, Thursday. But I do want to focus on the agony in the garden. Let's think very briefly for a moment there of all the beautiful things that our Lord did before he died. How he got his disciples together and he washed his feet. And I would say he washed your feet. Because when our Lord washed the feet of his disciples, he meant to say, I'm washing the feet of all of you. He meant to say, I'm humbling myself, washing your feet, so that you learn how to be humble. And then he also gave himself to us in the Holy Eucharist. He put himself to be there present for us for all eternity. And he made for us priests so that we would have another Christ always with us. But after that, as we know, his sufferings began. And our Lord went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He went with his disciples. And he took with him, as you know, the three that were supposed to be his main witnesses. The three disciples that were supposed to record everything that was happening with our Lord. And he said to them, My soul is sorrowful unto death. Now, my friends, you know that our Lord went and he prayed. And he prayed in a humble fashion. We read that our Lord prostrated himself to the ground to pray. And the words that he used, if you meditate on them, are heart-rendering, because he said to his father, Father, if thou wilt, remove this chalice from me, but yet not my will, but thine be done. This was the only time in our Lord's life where he ever asked his father to change something, to do something differently. And we have to ask ourselves, why? Some saints would say that our Lord was left to his human strength, and that's why he was suffering and he was afraid of his passion. 
Other saints say what I like, this is the opinion that I like the better. They say that our Lord was about to witness all the evil of the world and the punishment that they deserved. And that's what he didn't want. Let me explain that in a more simple way by giving you an example. Imagine that one of you goes to the jail here in near Denver and you go to the warden and you say, Sir, I'm going to pay for that prisoner over there. I'm, I'm going to pay for his punishment and I'm going to get him out and I'll, I'll pay his sentence. Well, the warden would say to you, first of all, sir, uh, I don't know why you want to do that, but you need to know two things if you want to do that. First, you need to know what he did, what his crimes were, because you want to release this guy. I need to show you what were his crimes. And second, you need to know what he has to pay for. What is his sentence, his punishment? Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense that you want to pay for him. My friends, in this same way, it would not have made sense that our Lord suffered for us if he didn't know all of our crimes. It wouldn't have made sense that he volunteered to suffer the punishment if he didn't know what was due for our crimes, what was our punishment. And that was the part that our Lord shrunk from. That was the part that he was afraid from. That was the part that he was asking his father, let this chalice, which means the suffering, let this chalice pass away from me. I don't want to see their sins. The saints tell us then that our Lord was being given to see all the sins of mankind, all of our sins, from the very beginning till the very end. And so our Lord suffered for that. It is as if our Lord was saying to his father, Father, let the cross come upon me, put that piece of wood on my shoulders. Let my hands be nailed and my feet be torn. Let my skin be ripped apart. Let the crowns come on me and the thorns and pierce my head all over the place and let every man in the place here beat me up. Let them spit on my face. Let them defame me. Let them betray me. Let all the soldiers come after me and people push me and throw dust at my face. Everything else, but I don't want to see their sins. I cannot take to see their sins. I cannot take to see them offend you. I cannot take to see them betray my blood and throw it away after I've died for them. Everything else, Father, but that. Let this chalice pass away from me. But it was necessary that our Lord suffered that too. And as we read, he sweat blood out of that suffering. My dear friends, consider this as we end with today's sermon. It wasn't the nails that first took out the blood from our Lord. It wasn't the crown of thorns that first pierced his head. It wasn't the scourges that broke his veins. The first thing that pierced our Lord and that made him shed blood was nothing else but our sins. As we think of this then, let us continue mass thinking, how can I repair, how can I relieve our Lord? And the way to relieve our Lord, to help him, is very simple. Go to the confessional. Go and confess, especially if you haven't gone, especially if you have big sins, the bigger a sinner that you are, the more that our Lord will be relieved 
by your confession. The, the farther that you've been away from our Lord, the more that you're relieving him. Go to confession. Keep him company. And if in this land, if you want to relieve our Lord, if you want to help him, if you want to keep him company at that time where his disciples abandoned him, remember his passion throughout Lent. I'll leave you with the words of our Lord that he said to his disciples in the middle of this agony. Could you not watch one hour with me? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.